Pastor Xavier Reese explains the danger when those who rule, rule under their own power. The crisis of our nation is not economic, ladies and gentlemen. It is spiritual. If the leaders and people of America will repent and turn to Jesus, the corruption, self-interest, and greed would be tempered and judicial law would be equitable. Righteousness exalts the nation, but sin is reproach to any people. Proverbs 14, 34. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. When it comes to leadership, when God puts a man in charge, he's charged with maintaining character worthy of a leader. And as we continue our Simple Truth study series in the book of 1 Samuel, Pastor Xavier turns to chapters 11 and 12, in which the character of God's faithful prophet Samuel is contrasted with the people's choice for King Saul. Let's listen. The message is entitled Samuel's Renewal of the Covenant. Samuel makes a clear distinction here. Now the transition to the monarchy. And he's renewing the covenant along with the king after the victory of the Ammonites. And it's characterized by the following. First, verse 14 there of chapter 11 down to 25. We have the faithful heart of Samuel in view of covenant. The faithful heart of Samuel. Then chapter 12 Verse 6 on down to 15, the faithless heart of the people in view of covenant. And then in 16 to 25, the faithful heart of God in view of the covenant. And he lays it out one step at a time. Take note that the occasion was after the victory of the Ammonites, as I've said. Now look at verse 15. Samuel and the nation celebrated the transition to monarchy. The response was unanimous. All the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. Because remember, some guys were against him there at Gilgal. And they, they were sons of Belial. They said, well, why should we serve him? But now all of a sudden, now the victory's here. Now the fellowship was unity. He says, all may sacrifice peace offerings before the Lord. So they were right with God. They were fellowshipping with God with each other. That's what a peace offering is. Notice the occasion was used by Samuel to declare his blameless character. The challenge then came to accuse him of ethical dishonesty in various areas. First he says, if he had stolen from anybody, whose ox have I taken or whose donkey have I taken or whom have I cheated? Now, the king they just chose would do this. The word take is the same as when he, gave, he warned them he's going to take your children, he's going to take your fields, he's going to take your taxes, he's going to take, 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 take. Okay? He didn't, but the guy that they had there, he's going to do it. If he had abused his power and authority on anyone, whom have I oppressed? If Samuel was guilty of any of these things, he says he would make it good. I will restore it to you. The king before them would do all these things, and he would never restore anything. Here's the contrast. Samuel is declared innocent of any unethical conduct in his many years of service in life. The faithful heart of Samuel in view of covenant was blameless. Blameless. This is what leaders are supposed to be. Human, but blameless. Very important. Now notice secondly, verse 6 to 15. We have the faithless heart of the people in view of covenant. In verse 6, 
through 11, the prophet Samuel reminded them of their rebellious history in the past, breaking covenant before the courtroom of God here. Having established his credibility, now he stands as a prosecuting attorney now. Samuel declares his proposition here that God had delivered them from Egypt, not Moses and Aaron. Listen carefully. Don't miss it. Verse 6. The instruments God used were human. Then Samuel said to the people, It is the Lord, Yahweh, who raised up Moses and Aaron. The deliverance was by God and who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. It was God who did it, but we get our eyes on man. And so in verse 7, Samuel called them to hear now how God was just with the dealings of the people throughout history. Because everybody always blames God, right? He's unjust, and why was God do this and that? And, and he has got them in a courtroom before God the judge, and he's going to show them how they're guilty before God. God is accusing them. He's made that very clear. Notice verse 7 there. Samuel commanded them to be present before God here. Now, therefore, stand still. The word stand means to present or to station oneself. They were presenting themselves before the divine judge in heaven here. The legal process has three parts. The charges and evidence. The examination of that evidence and the verdict in view of the evidence. And this is what is followed here. Look at 7 still. Samuel declared the purpose that I may reason with you before the Lord. The word reason there means justice and judgment. In the context, it means he was going to act as a lawyer in litigation or trial before the judge to expound to them about his justice. The witness is Yahweh. He says it clearly right there. The history lesson focuses on people's desire to have a man rather than trusting God. This was God's charge against the people. You guys get more excited about a man than you do about me. They place their confidence in Saul, the earthly king, rather than in Yahweh, the heavenly king. Listen to him. And when you saw Naash, king of the Ammonites, come against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord Yahweh your God was your king. Ooh. Remember chapter 8, 6? Give us a king. 8, 19? We'll take the king. Every chance to reject, but they did not. The people had settled for God's permissive will. We've seen this before. Here it is again. Now therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. Then comes the consequences. And take note. The Lord Yahweh has set a king over you. This is what you want. I've tried to dissuade you. I've tried to change your mind. You got him. He's all yours. That is a sad day when you hear that answer from God. When you are so insistent to have your way that he says, All right, go ahead. Wow. Look at 14. The people, despite their present self-will rebellion, were given the conditions for freedom in life. God is so good, isn't he? Look at verse 14. Here's the foundation. Don't miss it. If you fear the Lord. Wow. The fear of God. Second, the devotion. And serve him. Third, the submission. And obey his voice. Third, the uncompromising principle. And do not rebel against the commandments of the Lord. Fifth, the promised blessing. Then both you and the king who reigns over you, will continue following the Lord your God. The fifth is the result of the first four. If the first four don't take place, forget about the fifth. And sixth, 
comes the contrast, the curse. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandments of the Lord Yahweh, then the hand of the Lord Yahweh will be against you as it was against your fathers. The Bible provides us with the history of man's rebellion against God. It began in the garden. Adam and Eve had everything they needed. They needed nothing else, and they still decided to disobey. Sin and death entered in. Genesis 3, Romans 5, 12. We are the product of that rebellion. We are rebels. We are sinners by nature. The Tower of Babel, men wanted to, to build a tower because they disobeyed God to be dispersed through the land. They wanted to build a name for themselves, a religious system that people might depend upon them. So God confused the languages in Genesis 11, 1 through 9. The world of Noah was destroyed because of the horrible evil that had come to take place in those few short years. It wasn't that long. And yet, the Lord said in Genesis 8, 2, and the Lord Yahweh smelled soothing aroma. And then the Lord said in his heart, listen carefully, I will never again curse the ground of man's, for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. The whole thing is that the imagination of man's heart was evil continually from his youth. And after everybody was wiped out, it continued. Why? Because Noah was a sinner and so were his children. You understand? The freedom of America or any other country does not depend on a man, but on a man who, as a leader, depends on God and obeys Him. Acknowledging the intent of the founding fathers in our documents is to understand how they ensured our freedom through these documents. The Declaration of Independence tells us that all men are created equal and endowed by their Creator with certain enable rights and among them is life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. God is the one who gives, gives this. They believed in God. You have to destroy our country. You have to interpret it evil way and, and purposely destroy the intent to come anything different of that document. Freedom of speech means that we can speak and say what we want without fear of retaliation. That is changing today. Our nation has interpreted the Constitution apart from the spirit of the law under which it was written, the context, and the intentions of the fathers who founded our nation. And so we are giving license to all forms of evil and oppressing and punishing the moral, ethical, and patriotic citizen of America now. Amazing what's going on. Listen to Isaiah 5.20, because we're there. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That's what's going on, ladies and gentlemen. At one time, to have patriotism was a virtue in America, something to be proud of, trusting God. We have witnesses of this all throughout, our national anthems. The songs of patriotism, they all include God. The money that you have in your pocket says, in God we trust. Not. Everything today is anti-God. Psalm 14.1 says, The fool has said in his heart, No God. They're corrupt. They've done abominable works. There is none that does good. Psalm 106.21, listen carefully. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt. You know what America has forgotten? They have forgotten how many great things God has done for America. 
we have forgotten. And we're being told that God had nothing to do with this country. Notice the faithful heart of God in view of the covenant. Verse 16 through 25. 16 through 19, Samuel called on God to confirm the guilt of the renewal of the covenant, or at the renewal. In verse uh, 16 there, Samuel commanded the people to present themselves against the witness conclude, to see the concluding verdict of God. He is the one that brings the judgment. Now, therefore, stand. The word is the same as verse 7. To station themselves. This is before the divine court, before the divine judge. This is the heavenly verdict that's coming forth. And Samuel communicated the importance of understanding what they would see. That it would be directly the answer of God. And see this great thing which the Lord Yahweh will do before your eyes. Samuel had nothing to do with this. In fact, the word see means to inspect and consider. To capture the significance and the meaning to what they are seeing. Great thing could be translated importance, utterance, business, or case. And since this is courtroom scene, I take the word case. God was going to make the verdict on this case based on the evidence. Look at 17. Samuel conveyed that by the sign, Yahweh would confirm their guilt before him. He told the people that he was going to do. Is today not the wheat harvest? I will call upon the Lord and he will send thunder and rain. The wheat harvest was mid-May, mid-June. If rain came now, it would ruin the crops. So rain was not usual during this time. This is to show that God was going to intervene supernaturally, and this was not coincidence. This was not bad weather. This was God giving the answer. The sign would indicate the divine judgment from heaven intervening in nature here. And the word thunder is literally voice, by the way. It's the word voice. Samuel, with his prophetic authority, proclaims things before they happen, so when they happen, you know that it's God who has told him to say it. Notice he told him the purpose of the divine sign. It was to confirm their guilt before God. Very straightforward. That you may perceive, yada, to know and to see, to inspect or consider or capture the message. And the message and interpretation is given to them in order that it be not left to various interpretation. This was not subjective truth. This was objective truth. That your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord Yahweh in asking a king for yourself. When they see this sign, they're to conclude, well, oh, we blew it. We asked for a king. Don't walk away and say, well, God's just a little sore. No, no, no. He's sore because you asked for a king. Look at 18 and 19. Samuel cried out to God to manifest a sign. The petition and reply of God comes first in 18. So Samuel called the Lord, Yahweh, and the Lord sent thunder and rain in that day. And the response of the people, notice, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. This is important. They feared God and Samuel. Samuel is the connection with God and God with Samuel. They are one. The petition and reply of the people to Samuel is given. They pleaded for intercession, not being right. And all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord Yahweh, your God, underline your God, that we may not die. You see, they didn't say our God. They weren't right with God. They're guilty. They acknowledge their sin, for we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. They got the message, but it didn't change their choice. 
It's worthless, ladies and gentlemen. You understand? Now look at 20 through 25. Samuel communicated to the people that God would honor them if they honored the covenant. God is so good to us. God has enough on me to take my head off. And he's always open to forgive me if I will walk with him. Wow. Look at 20 through 21. Samuel gave his counsel to the people. Don't miss it. He comforted the people first. Then Samuel said to the people, do not fear. Good shepherd. Second, he exhorted the people. You have done all this wickedness, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord Yahweh. That's good. He's not being permissive. So turn away from sin, turn to God. And then thirdly, he instructs the people, but serve the Lord with all your heart. This is wisdom, okay? If you just come and get instructed, you don't serve, that's bad. If you just eat, 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 you don't exercise, you get a heart attack, okay? You need to jump in the trenches so you're not a critic above ground. (laughs) It's important that you learn and you serve, And notice, he warns the people, and do not turn aside, for then you would go after empty, worthless, formless things which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. This is what happens if you don't walk with God. If you just think that it's knowledge and you come to church and you just fill up your little cap and all that and you walk away and you have all the Bible answers and all that, you're going to go after vain things. The effectiveness of your learning is an application and service. You understand? It must transform you. Look at 22. Samuel gave the commitment of God to his people based on Yahweh's steadfastness, covenant love. For the Lord Yahweh will not forsake his people. Man, he's so good. He does not forsake us. We forsake him. Second, based on Yahweh's character, for his great name's sake. Now, you know what? He honors his word above his name, and you know what he thinks about his name. These are all covenant formulas that we find hundreds of times through the Old Testament. 30, based on Yahweh's sovereignty, because it has pleased the Lord Yahweh to make you his people. Not because they were more in number, as Moses says. Not because you're more powerful. Just because I love you. That's it. Isn't it nice to know that someone loves you just for who you are? Rather than what you have? Or what you might have or might be? You can rest in that. Fourthly, again here, this whole depiction is that formula of covenant love. Found throughout the scriptures. Exodus 34, 6, Deuteronomy 36, 1, Joshua 1, 5, and many, many other places. Man, God is too much. Now, notice Samuel consoles the people who would be faithful to the covenant. 23 through 25. It's a choice. He consoles the ones who are going to follow. Verse 23, Samuel would continue to be their high priest and judge. He was committed to pray for them regardless of what they had done. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord Yahweh in ceasing to pray for you. It is a sin not to pray. It's a sin not to pray for our nation, our leaders. It's a sin not to pray for non-believers. It's a sin not to pray for each other as we have different problems and difficulties that we can intercede for one another. We are to be praying people. You understand? He was committed to instruct them the word of God. But I will teach you the good and the right way. What a good pastor. Then notice Samuel gave further counsel in 24. First, their wisdom. Only fear the Lord Yahweh. He repeats it. Second, their protection. And serve him in truth in all your heart. All your heart means who you really are in reality, okay? 
in every aspect of life. Thirdly, their motivation for consider what great things he has done for you. Oh, remember where God took you from. Remember the things that he's done for you. The job he's provided. The wisdom for the finances. The open doors and this and that and on and on. Never forget that. Rehearse it to your children so when they grow up they have a heritage. You understand? Look at 25. Samuel warned those who chose to rebel and disobey the covenant. The condition, but if you still do wickedly, and there will always be people that will listen and not obey. The consequences, you should be swept away, both you and your king. The phrase swept away means to be snatched away to ruins, destroyed. The penalty applies both to the common person and the leader. No one's above the word of God. Did you know James Madison, the fourth president, known as the father of our Constitution, made the following statement? We have staked the whole of our political institutions upon the capacity of mankind for self-government, upon the capacity of each one and all of us to govern ourselves, to control ourselves, to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. Our founding fathers weren't Christians. He is the father of the Constitution. Did you know Patrick Henry, the patriot of founding father of our country, said, quote, It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation, United States of America, was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not by religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can it be any clearer, ladies and gentlemen? In spite of what the ACLU and all the humanistic educators are a bunch of liars. The crisis of our nation is not economic, ladies and gentlemen. It is spiritual. If the leaders and people of America will repent and turn to Jesus, the corruption, self-interest, and greed would be tempered and judicial law would be equitable. We need intercessors like Moses, Samuel, Daniel, and Paul to pray for our nation and leaders. Listen to Jeremiah 5.31. The prophets prophesy falsely. And the priests rule by their own power. And my people love to have it so. But what will you do in the end? Let me change that. The politicians and the senators do their work falsely. And those in rule, they rule by their own power. And my people love to have it so. Hosea 4.9 says, And it shall be like people, like priests. So I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their deeds. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is reproach to any people. Proverbs 14.34. Wow. Samuel has marked a clear transition to the monarchy by renewing the covenant here with the people and their king after God has given them victory over the Ammonites. The faithful heart of Samuel in view of covenant was blameless. The faithless heart of the people in view of covenant was guilty. And the faithful heart of God in view of covenant was based on his word. Nothing but his word. Where you go to church, how much money you give, how many old ladies you help across the street, doesn't make a difference. Are you living not the word? Is the word cutting you? Is the word shaping and molding you? Knowing the word 
Are you aware of what's going on in the world? Pastor Xavier Reese has been drawing today's simple truths from the book of 1 Samuel, making practical application to the volatile economic time our nation and the world finds itself in even today. Now, today's message, Samuel's Renewal of the Covenant, is available for only $4. We can send you a copy on CD upon request. By the way, this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is Samuel's Renewal of the Covenant, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 